0: The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, church. To all of you that are here, to all of you who are online and joining us, welcome in the name of Jesus. May his grace and peace be upon you this morning. We're going to begin in Mark chapter 8, beginning of verse 27. The word of the Lord says this. So Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Let's pray. Father, as always, we give you thanks for all your good gifts that you give us. And at this time, we give you thanks for your word. For it is the bread of life that nourishes, sustains, and gives us life. So, in response, we ask for ears to hear. We ask for hearts that will follow, and we ask for lives and bodies that will obey. God, I ask for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have you ever thought that you knew someone only to find out they weren't? exactly who they said they were, or they weren't exactly who you thought they were. That's maybe a better way to put it. Have you ever known someone only to find out they're not exactly who you thought they were? Now usually when you make this kind of discovery about someone, it's disturbing. I thought they were this way, and it turns out there's something different. And it makes you think twice about your relationship with them at times, perhaps. At the very least, it changes that relationship. So, about five or six years ago, my son Eli uh, was playing basketball on a Y team. And you know, as y, YMCA teams go, you could have very good players and not so good players. Well, Eli. Just so happened to be because he was a little bit taller on the top half of that team. But there was another kid on the team, and he wasn't that tall, but he was the point guard, and he was amazing. And I got to know his dad a little bit, and just through, like parents do when their kids play sports together, I kind of struck up an acquaintance with his dad. And so, when we'd see each other at basketball games, I mean, we'd say hi, and we'd ask how things were going, and we'd talk about each other's each other's sons and how they're doing, and and so we kind of developed a nice acquaintance, or uh, at least like somewhat of a friendship. Well, this went on for a while until we get to almost the end of the season, and I'm talking to uh, one of the other parents, and I'm just noticing how good this one player is. In fact, it's my friend's son. And then as I come to find out, not only is he the best player on the team, he's two years younger than anyone else on that team. So I said, man, that kid is amazing. And the other parent, he's like, well, yeah, his dad's a scout for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was like, what? Mike, the guy I've been talking to is a scout for the Oklahoma City Thunder? I was disturbed. I did not know that. And I was like, really? How long has he been a scout for the Thunder? I was like, well, they said, well, ever since he retired from the Thunder. I was like, what? He played for the Thunder? I was deeply disturbed. I did not know this information. So, as a good friend, I walked and said, hey, I heard something about you. He said, what's that? I heard you're a scout for the Thunder. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I had no idea, which was odd because if you're a guy, what's usually the first thing you ask someone? What do you do? I don't know how it didn't come up, but it didn't. And I said, you played in the NBA? He goes, yeah. What was amazing was he didn't look like an NBA player necessarily. Of course, I'm 6'3". He was much shorter, so you don't think immediately NBA player. But I... I said, well, so you played for the Thunder? I was like, how long did you play for the Thunder? I was like, well, I played for one season. And then, uh, I, I, you know, it was towards the end of my career. And so I, they invited me on to be a scout because I had a good relationship uh, with, with Sam Presti. And I said, well... You only played one year, who'd you play for before? And he goes, Well, I played for the Boston Celtics, I played for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I played for the San Antonio Spurs, I played for the Los Angeles Lakers, I played for the Atlanta Hawks. I was like, Oh my gosh, who is this guy? Turns out, he played with LeBron James, he played with uh, Kevin Garnett. I mean, some of you don't know these names, but you know some of these names. He played uh, with David Robinson. He won an NBA championship with the San Antonio Spurs. And I'm sitting there at the game. I was like, dude, who are you? You're like, you're my friend, and I feel like I don't even know you. Have you ever had one of those? Where you're like disturbed and like, wait, who are you? I feel like I don't even know you. We're beginning a sermon series today. It's called Following Jesus, the Gospel of Mark. And usually we start a sermon series, almost always, Brett and I start a sermon series on a book of the Bible by starting at the beginning of that book. But if you noticed, we started this sermon series, or what we read today, we started in chapter eight, which just happens to be Geographically, spatially within the book, if you actually had a book and pages, it is at the very center of the Gospel of Mark. And that's appropriate because this text in Mark 8, 20, 27 through 30, this text is at the very center of the Gospel of Mark. Primarily, the question that Jesus asks. Who do you say that I am? That question is the question of the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark, it's about many things, but one of the things that it's primarily about, it's about identity. And it's about Jesus' identity. Who Jesus is and what he does are intimately related to who his disciples are and what is required of them. In other words, if the central question of the gospel of Mark is who do you say Jesus is, that question is vital to understanding what's going on in Mark, and this is the reason why. Because who you say he is Will determine how you follow. Let me say that again. Who you say Jesus is will determine how you follow. This is the season, the year that we're focusing on growth at the springs. Our vision is we gather in the name of Jesus and that we grow into his image so that we can go by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this year, we want to focus on growth and growing. And so inherently, we're going to talk a lot this year about discipleship. Mark talks a lot about discipleship. And at the very center of Mark's gospel is this question, who do you say Jesus is? Because who you say he is will determine how you follow. So as Jesus and his disciples are on the way, Jesus asks his disciples this question. He says, who do the people say that I am? And some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others a prophet. Now you can discover Earlier in Mark, there's reasons why they say these things that actually comes up because earlier in Mark, Herod claimed that John the Baptist, who he had killed, he records this. This is just recorded in chapter six of Mark, that, John, that, that Herod claimed that John the Baptist had raised from the dead, had been raised from the dead, and was perhaps giving Jesus power to do all the miracles he was doing. So some say, some say it's John the Baptist the resurrected John the Baptist. Some conjured Jesus, some conjured that Jesus was the reincarnation of Elijah who performed mighty miracles and who represented the renewal of all things at the end of history. Jesus was going around doing lots of miracles in the Gospel of Mark. So some were saying, did Elijah come back? Is that who this is? And still others, they view, uh, they regard him as a prophet, like one of Israel's ancient prophets who came to speak on behalf of God. It made me think, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? It made me wonder what our answer might be to that. If he were to ask us, who do people say that Jesus is? Right? Just, just around in the world, what, what might be some ideas about what people say about Jesus? And of course, there's lots of things said about Jesus. But one thing that might be said is that for some, he's a great human teacher. Like many other teachers. Who's not divine, but his insights into life are virtuous the very best. And at the very least, he's got really, really great advice. He's a good teacher. Still, others, maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum, would prefer that Jesus is like this superhuman figure that can zap the world into shape through his power. He's empowered by God to do miracles in our life. And oftentimes, when he doesn't, we go, why? Why? That's who we prefer him to be. Still, others view him as a religious figure who offers comfort and assurance in a troubled world. And like then, when Jesus asked his disciples that question and they gave answer, the world, I think, gives many answers to the question who is Jesus? But then Jesus does this little thing. As soon as they say who other people say Jesus is, he goes, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, sometimes who gets all the credit in this text, is really just representing all that are standing there. Someone had to say it, and it just happened to be Peter, you know, the loud mouth one, the one that likes to talk all the time. I'm sure he was a preacher. Don't laugh too hard at that, come on. But Peter says, when Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter says this, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Now i often ask my students what the word Christ means. And I said, here's a little hint, it's not Jesus' last name. Christ is Jesus' title. He's giving, Peter is giving him a title. And Christ literally means the anointed one. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one. So basically, what he's saying, what Peter is saying, when Jesus asks, Who do you say that I am? Peter says, You're the king. And something interesting happens. He tells Peter to be quiet and not to tell anybody. This happens a lot in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus often tells, especially demons, Shh, be quiet. Don't tell anybody. That there's a great mystery surrounding Jesus' identity in the Gospel of Mark. That's one of the things that becomes very, very clear. People readily want to identify with Jesus, but they have no clue who he is. And what we come to find out is that the people in Mark will make all kinds of claims about Jesus But they don't know who he is. So you're going to hear words in the Gospel of Mark like, they're amazed, they were astonished, they were terrified, they were very afraid, they were bewildered. Like these adjectives come up a lot describing people that follow Jesus. They make lots of different claims about who Jesus is, but they don't understand. They have no clue who he is. Yet, Many of the claims that they make about Jesus, they are true. For example, Jesus is in fact in the mold of John the Baptist. He is an Elijah figure who performs miracles and is a sign of great renewal. He is a prophet who speaks on behalf of God. And Peter is right. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the king. But while Peter and others who follow have the right language for Jesus, they have the right titles, they have the right descriptions, they have the right names for Jesus, we will come to find out that Peter and others who have all the right language have all the wrong understanding about who he really is. It's a mystery. So, Peter says, you are the Christ. The question comes comes up for the disciples. So what does it mean to be the Christ? What does it mean that Jesus is king or the anointed one? And what does it mean for those who follow him? But when Jesus turns to his disciples, and he says to them, But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Mark just doesn't intend for that to stay on the page. That question is not intended to be for the disciples in the story alone. That question is a question for you and I. This past summer, I got to be... I, I was invited to be an extra on a movie that uh, the skit guys were doing. I think through, I think it's through Sony Pictures. And I got to be a park ranger. Uh, I'm a movie star now, guys. I just am. And so, one of the things... Uh, I have no idea in the age of COVID When this movie is coming out But I think it's called Summer Camp So I'm going to make sure you guys know uh, So you can see me on the big screen All right. So One of the things that they told us And they emphasized to us Is that hey When they're filming Whatever you do Do not look into the camera So of course what did I want to do Everything in me wanted to look right into the camera In fact, it was funny that uh, Tommy and Eddie, the two skit guys, it's about this summer family camp, and there was this one scene that uh, actually Bella and my family got to be extra Zan, and we're standing right behind Eddie, and he's having this bow and arrow competition where he's shooting this bow and arrow, but but Eddie's kind of this hothead, and of course it's a comedy, so he says he's going to do it blindfolded, so he does it blindfolded. And of course they have the camera out on the crane, right, that's zooming around, and we're standing right behind Eddie, and Eddie lines up, and I'm thinking, that camera's really, really close, and he shoots, and he hits the camera because he can't see, and the arrow bounces back directly at us, It luckily hits Eddie and not us. (laughs) Eddie was fine, no worries. It was kind of a scary moment, and he barely missed the lens. It made a huge dent in the metal piece. But I looked into the camera because I saw where that arrow went and I thought, he's going to hit that camera, isn't he? But it's as if God, in the Gospel of Mark, that Mark is not only writing the script for the movie, he's directing it. And it's as if in the, in the production of this script or this movie, if you can imagine, that Jesus, who turns to his disciples and asks but what about you, who do you say that I am? He breaks all the rules and he's directed to because what he does is this, is if Jesus looks directly into the camera and he says, "But what about you? Who do you say that I am?" And he looks right past the camera, right through the camera, right through the pages of scripture, and he points to you and I and he asks us this question. It is not just a question for the disciples. It is a question for you and I who do you say that I am who do you say that Jesus is for many christians the real identity of jesus is found in his value for them namely the value of Jesus blood for the forgiveness of sins. There's a phrase that I've become aware of for many years now and I think it was Dallas Willard who made this phrase at least put it into our consciousness. You may have never heard it. But he calls it vampire Christians. Which usually freaks everybody out right when you think you think ah oh, that doesn't go together. Vampire Christians. But what he means by vampire Christians, it's that Christians that are only interested in Jesus for his blood. Do you get the reference now? He says this. He says, if we are Christians, this is Dallas Willard writing. He says, if we are Christians simply by believing Jesus died for our sins, and that all we need is to have our sins forgiven in order to go to heaven when we die, then why do some people keep insisting on something more than this? Things like lordship, things like discipleship, spiritual formation and the like. He goes on to say, he calls this a heresy. He says, this heresy has created the impression that it is quite like, that it is quite reasonable to be a vampire Christian Today. One, in effect, says to Jesus, I'd like a little of your blood, please, but I don't care to be your student. I don't care too much to have your character. I don't care too much to be a disciple. I don't care too much to follow. In fact, once I get a little bit of your blood and my sins are forgiven, Won't you just excuse me while I go on with my life, and I'll see you in heaven. And while it is true that Jesus' blood does forgive sin, while it is true, like when they said he's he's John the Baptist, and it's true that he's in the mold of John the Baptist. While it is true that he's an Elijah-like figure with his miracles and renewal. While it is true that he's a prophet that speaks on behalf of God. It is true Jesus died for you and his, sin and his blood washes you from every sin. But while that is true, it is not true that we could just be vampire Christians that only go to Jesus and only seek out Jesus for his blood which we can consume. The question for you and I today is this. Who do you say that he is? Because who you say he is will determine how you follow Or maybe let's put it this way. Maybe better yet. If you really want to know who you believe Jesus to be, look at your life. If you really want to know the answer to that question and be honest with yourself. Because we say a lot of things about Jesus. But if you really want to know down deep who you really believe Jesus is, look at your life. It will tell you who you think he is. Because it will reveal how you follow. Jesus' way of life shapes his identity. And that identity and way of life shapes how we follow him. So the question today say he is. Let's stand.